Welcome to Mind Your Own Karma, The Adoption Chronicles. I'm your host, Melissa Brunetti. In this second season of Mind Your Own Karma, we're tackling the subject of adoption. Yes, adoption most of the time is a wonderful experience. You have the generous birth parents, the excited adoptive parents, and this lucky little baby. Everyone lives happily ever after, right? But what I want you to know is, there's so much more to these stories. I'm an adoptee myself, and I want to bring all sides of the adoption journey to you in hopes to educate you and to bring understanding to the subject. We're about to get real and raw here, so let's dive right in. Hey there, Karma Crew. This is Melissa Brunetti, the host of Mind Your Own Karma, The Adoption Chronicles. I just want to start by giving you a little update on my sidekick, Tomlin. He is here with me, and again, you are going to hear him snoring. He is out like a light. I was on a week-long vacation last week and was worried that he was going to not be here when I got back. And when I came in the door yesterday, he was as good as when I left him. Happy, smiling, tail wagging, and eating everything in sight. So I was so happy to see him, and I think he was happy to see me too. But like I mentioned, I was on vacation last week in Cabo, and let me tell you, Cabo in September is not the greatest time to be in Cabo. It was so hot and humid. And I live in Central California, and we are still getting 80 degrees some days, 90 degree weather still. And but that humidity is just a killer. And now that it's October, I just want to really get into that fall mindset, which is really hard to do when you are in 60% humidity weather and just feeling like you're in an oven. But even though it was in the high 80s when I got back yesterday, it felt so much cooler and I was just so grateful. But I am looking forward to the change in the fall weather, which I haven't seen yet. But since it's October, and if you were with me in the first season of Mind Your Own Karma, I used to do full moon bonus episodes. So on the full moon, I would create a bonus episode of a paranormal or strange true story that happened to either myself or someone else that wanted to tell their story on the podcast. And I haven't been doing those in the last few months. And to be honest, I've really been missing those. The production of those was so fun. And I just loved telling those ghost stories. So I thought for the month of October and to celebrate Halloween coming up, I would do at least one of those type of episodes this month. I might throw in a few more. I don't know. But if you are interested in looking back at the episodes that I've already published, go back to season one and just look for full moon bonus episodes and you will find those there. So October's full moon is on the 9th. So I will be publishing a bonus episode on the 9th. So look out for that just to kind of get us in the mood for fall and Halloween coming. So what kind of prompted me to come back to being sensitive to spirit myself is, you know, I've joined a lot of adoption groups on Facebook. And I have been talking to a lot of adoptees and interviewing a lot of adoptees. And I've been finding that we are all so creative. And I've also noticed that a lot of us are sensitives and have some spiritual gifts. 
So I went on all of the sites that I uh, I've joined and I put a poll on there just to see how many adoptees actually have a spiritual gift. So at the end of this podcast, I'll be revealing what my poll has found. And I've only posted it a couple of hours ago, and there's been a lot of response. So I'm really interested to see what spiritual gifts adoptees have. And then it just got me thinking, why do we have these spiritual gifts? Does the primal wound cause other senses to be heightened? Just like if someone loses their sight, how their sense of smell and their hearing and all their other senses get heightened because they can't see anymore. They've lost that sense. So I'm wondering if the primal wound has anything to do with our senses being heightened. So if you're an adoptee and you think that you have a sensitive spirit or that you might have one of these gifts, stay tuned because I'm going to give definitions of each one so that you can see if you do have any of these gifts. So I'm going to start by telling a little bit about my story and my journey learning that I was sensitive. When I was very young, I always remember being scared of everything and I didn't understand why. I didn't like going to public places. I didn't like strangers. And I always had these feelings and I would see things and mostly the feelings. I would know things and I really didn't understand what was happening. And I didn't feel comfortable talking about it with anyone because I felt like I was the only one having these things happen to me. I remember being very young, probably under four years old. I don't know, my mom would have to confirm, but there was a mall. This is my memory and this could totally be wrong, but this is what I remember. There was a mall called Cinderella City, I think. And it had this huge fountain, at least it looked huge to me. It was either a fountain or a waterfall. And I just remember there were so many spirits around there. And now I know that water is a conductor for spirits, but I didn't know that then. And I was so terrified of this water feature in the middle of the mall that I, I hated when I heard we were going to the mall. I was just terrified before we even got there. I didn't know one other person that was experiencing the same things that I was. So I just kept quiet about it. I didn't know if it was okay to talk about it. Because even at the mall, when I was scared of the waterfall and like seeing all these spirits, I'd look around and nobody else was reacting like I was. (laughs) And so I just was like, oh my gosh, I'm the only one hearing and seeing and feeling all these things. And at such a young age, I didn't know how to process any of that. And so as I got older, I think like a lot of people that have these gifts, you don't have to just be an adoptee, but anyone that grows up with these gifts, you learn how to squelch it. And you learn how to hide it. And pretty soon it kind of gets dull as you get older and you're not as sensitive as you were as a child. And I remember that I 
tried to keep it down as much as possible. But there were times that I would go into certain places, buildings, meet certain people, have certain things happen to me that I would feel again, this gift come up, there was no hiding it. Sometimes the place I was in was just so spiritually charged that I couldn't not feel it. And in my early 20s, when I got married, we moved into a home that was brand new, brand new build, but there was definitely some crazy things going on in that house from day one. And even my husband at the time experienced some of these things and heard some of these things. And when I moved in there soon after, I had two children. And as infants and young toddlers, they were experiencing things as well, just like I had when I was young. Their gifts were a little bit different than mine, but all the same, they had their own spiritual gifts. At two years old, my son told me that a little boy was coming in his room at night and playing with his toys. Very nonchalantly, my son wasn't even scared of this little boy that was coming into his room. My daughter could see spirits and she would know the names of lost, long dead loved ones, um, family members, that she would know their names. And As an adoptee, when I found my birth family, I found out that on both sides of my family, there are spiritual gifts. So it's a generational thing in my situation. So finding that out definitely helped me open up that side a little bit more, knowing that I wasn't the only one. And probably about 12 years ago, I was confiding in a friend of mine, and he just happened to belong to a ghost hunting group. And he said, oh, we're having this meeting, and why don't you come? Maybe you can join our group as the sensitive. And let me tell you, I was so self-conscious about it, because I thought, what do I know? I mean, I know what I know intuitively, but... I don't want a whole ghost group reliant on my feelings. I don't know if they're true or not. So a lot of self-doubt going in. But I thought, you know, ghost hunting sounds so, so fun. I ended up going to the meeting. And they were revealing some of the things that they had found in photos and voice recordings and EVPs and things that they had found at some of their investigations, which was super fascinating. And I really liked that the group was very scientific and not all woo woo. You know, every time they heard a little creak, it was a ghost. They really wanted answers and concrete evidence. And I really loved that. So that intrigued me too. So during the meeting, there was a woman there and she revealed that she lived in a haunted house and she invited all of us out to her house for an impromptu ghost hunt. And now I'm freaking out. I'm like, okay, so I came to this meeting just to find out and now I'm going to actually be a sensitive in this group tonight, almost like an impromptu interview. And I was just so nervous. So we go out to this lady's house. 
it's like way out in the country in this orchard it's pitch dark and we go into her home and already I'm getting all kinds of vibes in different spots in the house and even in the backyard so we do this investigation and for the most part I was pretty quiet because there was a lot of other people there that had just come that night to the meeting as I did and so they were a lot more vocal than me so I just kind of tuned in to my own intuition that night and just kind of observed and listened to everyone else and there was another lady that was a sensitive there and so I just kind of listened to her and was like did I feel that you know are we feeling the same things and just kind of to test myself to see if what I was feeling other people were feeling as well. And to be honest, I really didn't connect to what the other intuitive was saying. I was feeling totally different things. So I just kind of kept quiet and hung back. But that night, doing the ghost hunt, and I actually got to see some really cool evidence at this house, it really gave me the ghost hunting bug and I just wanted to keep doing it. So I ended up joining the group and we started doing investigations. There was also another girl that was sensitive in the group and we really vibed together and just were really on the same page. And there was no competition. You know, I really still felt like I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I really felt safe, though, telling them my intuition and what I felt. And so what the group would do, and we would go into businesses, businesses would call us, we would go into people's homes. And we had someone go in and get all the information, they would not tell me and the other girl anything that they found out. So they would find out what the experiences were. And then they would send us in and we would just go in blind and tell them what we were feeling and where we thought the hot spots were and things like that. And we would go in separately. And it was very interesting because we always felt the same things in the same areas. So it was kind of cool and really a great experience for me to feel like, hey, maybe I really do feel things and I do know what I'm talking about. And just getting that confidence in my intuition really gave me that boost to feel safe vocalizing everything that I was feeling. I remember one particular night we were in a antique store, I want to say, and there was a huge room in the back that was just full of antiques that they hadn't put out yet. And you would think just, you know, thinking ahead, I was like, oh, man, I bet you when I walk in that room, because there's just so much stuff in there from so many different houses and people and that's going to be really, I'm going to feel so much in that room. And in this particular investigation, there was two other intuitives there. And I trusted both of them. And I remember they did their walkthroughs first and I was the last one. And I walked through the doorway and I was like, I don't feel anything. And someone walks through with us and 
records everything that we're saying. And so I remember walking in there and just being kind of surprised that I wasn't feeling anything in that room when I walked in. And so before the investigation would start, after we all did our walkthroughs, the person that walked with us would reveal what we had all said and they would correlate, you know, and see if we all agreed all the intuitives agreed on things. Well, I remember them saying that the other two intuitives, when they walked into that back room with all the other artifacts in there, that they felt something and I was the only one that didn't feel anything. And immediately I was just like, oh no, I messed up, you know. But then they said that they had had a K2 meter with us on our walkthroughs. And when the other two intuitives had walked into that room, their K2 meter went off, which indicates the possible presence of a ghost. And when I walked through the door, the K2 meter did not go off, indicating there was no spiritual activity going on at the time that I walked through the door. And let me tell you, I was elated when I heard that. I was just like, that's so cool. And how validating for me. It was huge. So I learned a lot in that group. And I was with them for about a year. And then I had to step away for a while. And that group ended up disbanding. And I've been in different groups here and there. But my ghost hunting has been a little bit far and few in between lately. So I'm really hoping to get back into it again at some point. So I would say personally for me, being intuitive is a very strong knowing. Just knowing that you know something. It's a feeling in your gut. And because I have this knowing, I never really am afraid that someone's going to pull something over on me because I always end up finding out. I will always have that gut instinct and then I just sit back and wait and the evidence just rolls in at some point. I see something, I hear something, I find out something and my knowing in my gut becomes a knowing in my mind. Another thing that happens for me is when someone asks me to tap into a lost loved one, if I can connect with them, it's almost like my brain is channeling someone talking that I am relaying the message and they are talking almost faster than my brain can think. So I don't even really know what I'm saying. I'm just interpreting the feelings that they are giving me and sometimes the words that they are telling me, but it's not me that's doing it. The only way I can correlate Another feeling to that is when you are deep in meditation and your brain is blank, but these thoughts come to your head. It's very similar to that. So that's a little bit about my journey and experiences of being a sensitive. 
I wish I could spend more time delving into my gifts and fine tuning them more, but I just have my hand in so many pots right now that I can't afford to put it all into one pot, which kind of brings me back full circle to adoptees and the ones I have talked to. And I think I've mentioned how creative these people are and we do have our hand in so many pots and there's so much that we all want to do we are artists and writers and sculptors poets and podcasters and sensitives so many of us are a jack of all trades there's just so many things we want to learn and do I, for one, really feel there is nothing that I couldn't learn to do, that I could learn how to do anything. I record, edit, direct, produce, advertise this podcast, and I learned how to do all of it. I have put out a podcast every week for nine and a half months. Maybe at some point when I am rich and famous from this podcast, I can hire a producer, an editor, a director, someone to do my social media. But until then, my psychic and sensitive abilities will have to be put on the back burner. So enough about me and my abilities. I want to dive in to what some of these gifts, these spiritual gifts are. So probably two of the most common ones that you hear are intuitive and sensitive. And it got me thinking, what is the exact difference between being intuitive or being a sensitive? And is there a difference? And in fact, yes, there is. So when you sense something, it means that you're using the five senses. So it is something that you're seeing, hearing, touching, tasting, or smelling. So those are the people that can see ghosts or spirits or shadow figures, or sometimes you can smell a smell and you can't figure out where it's coming from, or maybe you're the only one that can smell it. It's hearing music that's coming from nowhere, or you hear your name and nobody's around. It's being touched by unseen hands or tasting the taste of something that you're not even eating. Anything that has to do with the senses and you can have heightened senses. So you might be hearing, seeing things that other people aren't hearing and seeing. And that's where you can start to feel like I'm crazy. Nobody else is seeing this thing that I'm seeing. And this is where a lot of times you just shut it down because you don't want to be the odd man out the one looking weird or the one getting teased, especially as a child. When you're a kid, you don't want to tell other kids that you can see ghosts (laughs) because that's probably a one-way ticket to having no friends. (laughs) So that's not something that you really want to reveal at that point. But anyway, in a nutshell, that is what a sensitive is. It's kind of heightened senses. Intuition, on the other hand, is more of a feeling. It's not 
anything tangible. It's more of an impression than a mind thinking kind of thing. It's very instinctual rather than tangible. So that's the difference between being a sensitive and using your senses and being intuitive and using your gut and your intuition. And I think being an adoptee that both intuition and being a sensitive can be heightened for many of us because the primal wound, when you are taken from your birth mother, the only safety that you have, it's like all of a sudden you're in survival mode. And what happens when you're in survival mode? All your senses, the volume gets turned up to the max and you are hearing and seeing and feeling everything to the 10th fold. And so what that does is it forms neuropathways in your brain. And the more you practice that heightened sense of awareness, the more your brain is going to go to that heightened sense of awareness because you have created that neuropathway by practicing it over and over and over again. I equate being removed from the birth mother and the primal wound as someone that has lost their eyesight all of a sudden. And what happens is that person's senses, the other senses that they still have, suddenly are fine-tuned. Things that they never would have heard before, they are hearing loud and clear now. Smells, tastes, touch, everything is dialed up in order to make up for the loss of their sight. I believe that this can happen in infants that have the primal wound. Now, I do want to bring up hypervigilance because someone did bring that up in one of my posts on Facebook that I put the poll on, which I thought was kind of interesting and I wanted to bring it up because it also is a possibility. So what is hypervigilance? Wikipedia says hypervigilance is a condition in which the nervous system is inaccurately filtering sensory information and the individual is in an enhanced state of sensory sensitivity. So the main difference that I see between hypervigilance and being a sensitive is hypervigilance is an inaccurate filtering is what the definition says. And being a sensitive is not inaccurate. Now, again, this is my perception and what I have lived and found out in my own journey of being a sensitive and intuitive. You can totally disagree with me and that's fine, but this is what I've experienced. And being a sensitive is not an inaccurate filtering. In fact, it is an accurate filtering and it has been proven over and over to me that using my senses in investigations and other places where I've just asked the owner, hey, I'm feeling this or this room feels haunted to me and it being confirmed, things being confirmed to me shows me that it is not an inaccurate 
sense or a hypervigilance. But I do believe that in some instances, it definitely could be hypervigilance because it is linked to a dysregulated nervous system, which can be caused by a traumatic event or PTSD, which the primal wound is. So I'm not saying that everyone that has a heightened sense is a sensitive, but in the same breath, I'm also saying that not everyone who has this heightened sense is hypervigilant. So that definitely is something to take into consideration. But just remember that the difference is, is your feelings accurate or inaccurate? Are you overreacting out of anxiety and stress or a trauma trigger? Or are you really sensing things just at a heightened state? But are you finding that your feelings are accurate and they have been validated? So just something to consider. Now let's move on to what an empath is. In my dealings with adoptees recently, I'm just kind of hypothesizing that many of the people on these polls that I've posted are going to mark that they are an empath, which is so fascinating to me, but we'll get to that in just a minute. So let's talk about what an empath is. An empath is a person highly attuned to the feelings and emotions of those around them. Empaths feel what another person is feeling at a deep emotional level. Their ability to discern what others are feeling goes beyond empathy, which is defined simply as the ability to understand the feelings of others. Instead, being an empath extends to actually taking those feelings on. And I personally know some empaths that can't even go into a crowded store or a party without absorbing energy and emotions from other people. And if you don't know how to protect yourself from that, you can easily be depleted from energy and just emotionally drained. It's like walking through a store and taking a piece of clothing from every person that you pass and putting it on. And by the time you're walking out of the store, you are 20 pounds heavier. That's what it feels like to be an empath and around a lot of people. So it's very important to know if you are an empath so that you can protect yourself in these situations and not feel so drained. So what you can do is ground yourself before you go into any public place. So the best way to do that is go barefoot out in the grass and really just put your feet on the ground, on the dirt, wherever. And imagine roots coming from the bottom of your feet and going so deep, deep, deep into the earth so that you are immovable. The second thing to do is to imagine the top of your head as a flower. 
And that flower is wide open and its petals are wide open. And what happens when your crown chakra is wide open like that is you are receiving all kinds of energy that's just floating around out there. So what you need to do is just imagine that flower closing up. And then imagine a white or gold light, a force field around your body that all of these emotions and feelings that people are having are just going to bounce off. It cannot penetrate this light that's surrounding you. And as you're at the store or the party or the mall or wherever you are with all these people, just keep imagining that this bulletproof light is around you and imagine all these balls just bouncing off and that it cannot penetrate. It cannot get to you. As you can imagine, empaths usually have anxiety because they are absorbing all this energy and these feelings. And it's very confusing because they're not your feelings. So where is this coming from? And it's a feeling that you are not in control of yourself. And that's scary. And that causes anxiety. So you have to learn how to take your power back. And that is by grounding, closing the crown chakra, and having your force field of light around you. Those are your boundaries and your protection. Now, like I said, I am thinking that empaths are going to score high on the poll that I put on Facebook, just because that's what I'm sensing from the people that I've been interviewing and talking to on a personal level. That's my sense that I'm getting from them, which I find so, so fascinating because as you know, if you've been listening to this podcast, or you are an adoptee and you know that we are so guarded when it comes to relationships and showing our feelings and that we kind of close off that part of us and we can be labeled as uncaring, unfeeling, and even unreachable in our relationships. So it's interesting that we won't acknowledge our own emotions, but we will take on everyone else's emotions and feel those. And for myself, I am not an empath <laughs> at all, but I have close relatives that are empaths. So I am drawing from their experiences and what I'm telling you, but I can imagine for an adoptee who is not used to feeling, to feel other people's emotions and take those on must feel very strange, especially when you feel like you can't control it because we can control our own. But when it's other people's emotions and feelings that are invading our body and our mind, that must feel very out of control and cause anxiety. The other thing that empaths often have are depressive episodes because you feel so tired and depleted and that you just can't even do anything. Taking all that on can cause depression. It can be a helpless and hopeless feeling. So if you are one of those people that just 
never want to go to the party or anywhere out in public and really can't figure out why maybe you're an empath. Think about it and see if the shoe fits. Try the three tips that I gave you and see if it helps. So that is all the time I have for today. I have so much more to tell you. So I think this is going to turn into a part two because I still have all the clairvoyant, clairsentient, clairaudient, all of those to get into with you. So let's pick up next time where I'm going to leave off right now. If you are an adoptee, a birth mother, an adoptive parent, any part of the triad, and you would like to share your adoption story, your reunion story, your genealogy story, any story about your adoption experience, and you would like to share it on the podcast, you can email me at mindyourownkarma at gmail.com. I am all about education on this podcast. If you are a therapist specializing in adoption trauma, if you are a genealogist, if you have any education or something you think is important to share about adoption, please contact me. It is time to educate the world. Come back next week and we will finish up with what I call the Claire's clairvoyant, clairsentient, all of those types of labels. We will discuss all of those and what those mean. They're a little less commonly heard. And we will reveal the poll and what it said. And we'll see if I was right about being a ton of empaths. <laughs> so as always, take what you need and leave what you don't. And always remember to mind your own karma. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to Mind Your Own Karma, The Adoption Chronicles. I've had listeners ask how they can help support this podcast. The best way to do that is rate and review this podcast directly on your listening platform. You have no idea how this small gesture helps get the word out about this podcast. Don't forget to click the subscribe tab to get notified of future episodes so you won't miss a thing. You can also find my Instagram and Facebook links below if you would like to follow and support me there as well. Lastly, if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the Adoption Chronicles season of the podcast, you can email me at mindyourownkarma at gmail.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.